Hello and welcome to the podcast from Holy Trinity Westerhales. We're delighted that you've joined us for this week's podcast and pray that you would be blessed through it. Well, let's turn, if you have a Bible, to this wonderful chapter in Hebrews 12. And let's pray together. Lord, it's in prayer that all um, the spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus are made available to us for the asking. And so we're asking you to come and to illuminate our minds, our hearts in your word, speaking words of life and truth and meaning to us in these days. And so we pray that the speaker would decrease so that Jesus Christ of Nazareth would increase, for we ask it in his holy name. Amen. Amen. Let me read just a few verses there. Verse 25, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth But now God has promised, once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. So that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Amen. What do we do when all around us is shaking? We just passed the anniversary of uh, the lockdown, two years, uh, when we had that uh, message from the Prime Minister that you must not leave your homes. And it felt like a, and has felt like a real time of of shaking. And we were just just seeing the light at the end of the tunnel when all of a sudden uh, we're bombarded with terrible images of refugees fleeing for their lives of man's inhumanity uh, towards man. Prices are going up, inflation's going through the roof. People are wondering how they're gonna cope And suddenly the future seems so uncertain for so many. What do we do when all around us is shaking? Well, here's a a word that is hopefully worthy of full acceptance. God allows shakings to take place. He he, he allows... God sometimes causes those shakings to take place in our world. And he does that to expose the foundations that people are building their lives upon. When you shake something, it exposes. Um, I I remember uh, doing an illustration with the kids once, and I had this big glass box full of sand, and it looked like a It just had sand in it, but then I got the kids to shake the box, and we shook this glass box of sand, and all of a sudden they realized there's massive rocks in the sand there buried suddenly, because the shaking exposes what's underneath, what's hidden. Shaking exposes the the foundations in our lives. 
Now, I want to tell you a, a brief story about something that happened um, 66 years ago, almost to the very day uh, on the 28th of March, 1956. Um, the small town of Old Harbor in Alaska experienced the second uh, most powerful earthquake in recorded history, the most powerful in, the, uh, in, in North America. And it was so powerful, 9.2 on the Richter scale. And when the earthquake hit, 30 people lost their lives. And the survivors, they had to run into the mountains um, for the night in order to get away because as the earthquake hit, uh, the sea went out and the survivors realized that there was a tsunami uh, coming in. And when that tsunami came in, it swept away virtually everything, everything that, whose foundations had been rocked. And uh, when the villagers came back to their little town, um, they saw that everything seemed to be just flattened and being swept away, all except this one little orthodox church. That I had to take a screenshot off a video. You can watch it on YouTube. And This is the little orthodox church. It still stands um, to this day. And they came back and realized there was virtually nothing, nothing left. And so I came across this interview, an interview from, it's from uh, 2004, and in the interview, there was two of the survivors, they were still living from that earthquake. They're called Parker and Mary. And I just want to read you what they said, because they were all taken off to uh, Montreal for months, and they all decided, virtually every person decided they were going to go back to their little town and rebuild it. And this is, this is what Parker says. He said, you go to places where there are iron and concrete structures and they're all twisted up and destroyed, but this humble wooden-based church with a very strong foundation, it survived that tsunami. You know Sven, Mary's husband, it was his vision in particular that they weren't going to abandon Old Harbor because this church remained standing. Then Mary said, my husband said, we're coming back. Our church is here. We're coming back with our people. And then Parker says, they wanted to maintain what they had. And what they had wasn't in material things what they had was their faith in God and their subsistence culture and the will to just keep trudging along even in the face of all that devastation. Now that little church stands to this day, but I'm not talking to you about church buildings. There are plenty of churches that have been flattened in earthquakes I'm talking about what that church stood for for the people of Old Harbor in Alaska. What it stood for was strong foundations of faith. And because they had these strong foundations of faith, there was a future for that community. If their trust 
If their faith had been in material things, then you can guarantee there was no future (laughs) for that community. If your trust and my trust is in material things, I can guarantee you there is no future for our community when God comes and once more he shakes the heavens and the earth. That's what we read about in the book of Hebrews. And all through uh, history, all through Scripture, we see these times of shakings. They're kind of world-changing events. Maybe changes the way you think about things. And in the midst of these shakings, what is real, what is true, what your real foundations are underneath it all, get exposed and it's not an easy thing um, to go through it's not an easy thing to experience but the shaking that we read about here in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 is not simply talking about those shakings that happen right throughout history and I believe we're going through one in our world today he's talking about once more I will shake the heavens and the earth. Something promised through the prophets and which the writer to the Hebrews tells us is meant in the Greek sense of the word once more that one final time. One final time, once and for all, God is going to shake the heavens and the earth in such a way that the created things, those created things will not exist anymore. And God is going to create a new heavens and a new earth. You'll have heard about the new heavens and the new earth, but I just want to read to you some scriptures that remind us of what is promised in the Bible about that. Isaiah speaks about it um, very, very clearly. Uh, uh, Isaiah 65, 17, Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. So what might seem like disaster and something to be feared Isaiah says, this is something to rejoice and be glad in that God is going to do one final time, create a new heavens and a new earth. In the next chapter, Isaiah says, as the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and descendants endure. So there's this promise that not only is God going to create a new heavens and earth, but it's with you in mind, all God's people, and that your name and your descendants, if you're in Christ, are going to endure. And this isn't something that, like many of the promises in the Old Testament, they are fulfilled in Christ. And very often, the New Testament writers, when they felt something wasn't fulfilled literally, they would spiritualize that promise and show how in Christ and by the Holy Spirit, that promise is fulfilled spiritually in our lives. But we know that this promise has not yet been fulfilled because Peter tells us. Peter, the apostle of Christ, disciple of Jesus, and he wants to tell us 
about what will happen. He identifies the new heavens and the new earth, what God's going to do with the coming of Jesus, with what's called the day of the Lord. And that's not some side issue within the New Testament. There are over 300 references in the New Testament to Jesus coming back again. So it's a big deal, a big part of what we believe as Christians. And he writes about it, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. Remember Hebrews talking about how once more I will shake the heavens and the earth. And Hebrews, the writer there, he interprets it in a very specific way and says this is going to be the removal of everything we know about us, the removal of created things. That's what he says. But then he says this, this is Peter, but in keeping with his promise, we're looking forward. So this is apparently something that we're to look forward to as Christians, to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness, the place where righteousness dwells, where things are going to be made Right. Now, the problem with this is that the Bible tells us that these shakings, including the very final shaking when Jesus returns, they come like thieves in the night. They come unexpectedly. I wasn't aware of anyone, I wasn't really aware of any prophetic voice telling me that COVID-19 was going to hit. I wasn't aware of it. I don't know if you were. Maybe you had some insight into it, but you didn't tell me. <laughs> so I can't know if that's true or not. They come unexpectedly, according to the Bible. So how do we prepare for something that's going to come like a thief in the night? Well, this is what we do. We put our trust in the one who loved us and gave himself for us. We do what Hebrews tells us to do, and we put our faith, our full weight, behind Jesus. We put our full trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is this amazing promise in Psalm 125, verse 1, and it says this. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. I'll say it again because it's such a brilliant verse. This is a good verse to have as a memory one. Get it in your head. Those who trust, in fact, why don't you say it when you get up in the morning this week? Those who trust in the Lord, let's say it together. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. Now that's interesting, isn't it? That this verse talks about the thing that cannot be shaken is people who are like Mount Zion. Do you remember what we were speaking about? What were we speaking about last week? You have not come to Mount Sinai, to the mountain of fear, but you have come where? To the mountain of joy, to Mount Zion. This is where you've come to, 
And because you've come to this mountain of joy, then you then cannot be shaken either. (laughs) That's the way it's supposed to work. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't hear me wrong. Something I didn't tell you last week is we we could get the wrong impression because we had a picture of Moses going on to Mount Sinai and Moses was trembling with fear. And the writer of Hebrews says, you've not come to that. You've not come to the mountain of fear. You've now come to Mount Zion. You've come to the church of the firstborn. You've come to this wonderful, joyful mountain. But hear this, it's not a different God we're coming to. God himself says, I, the Lord, do not change. Next week, we'll be hearing in Hebrews that Jesus Christ, God the Son, is the same yesterday, today, forever. God does not change. God has not changed. He does not change from the Old Testament into the New Testament. It's not, oh, scary God in the Old Testament and nice loving God in the New Testament. That is nonsense. God does not change. He says it in black and white. You can read it over and over again. God does not change. Your position changes. So you move from the mountain of fear, and now you've moved on to the mountain of joy. Now, how does this work? Well, the last thing we read in our passage in Hebrews 12 is is that, that our God is a consuming fire. Now, if you're living on the mountain of fear, when God comes as a consuming fire, it'll feel like almost certain destruction. It felt like that for Moses, trembling with fear. It tells us that if even even an animal touched the mountain, it was dead, because our God is a consuming fire. God's not changed. We've just been moved to the mountain of joy. And now God, the consuming fire, is the God who consumes the whole of our being by his Holy Spirit and consumes all our darkness and eats it up in his light and sets us on fire for him. Our God hasn't changed. He's still a consuming fire. Our position has changed. Do you see the way it works? Jesus said, I'll give you another example. Jesus said, um, he's, he's the rock. We talk about Jesus being, being the rock. He's the chief cornerstone. Jesus himself said that for some people, and for those people who are still living in the old way, still living by their own works and efforts and com- following the commands to please God, he says, for those, for those people that I'm going to be a rock that causes men to stumble. I'm going to be a stone that crushes them. But we've moved on to the mountain of joy. And suddenly Jesus is the rock of our salvation. And his banner over me is love. He is the rock that is the sure and certain foundation that I can build my life upon. God hasn't changed. (laughs) He's still a consuming fire. Jesus is still the rock, but our position now has changed. And those who trust in the Lord, the Bible tells us, are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken. Aim to be a person that cannot be shaken by the circumstances that are all 
around you. It's something that is offered for those who put their trust, put their full weight in the Lord. Now, how can we know this is true? How can we, how can we believe this to be true? Because sometimes we don't feel it. Well, we read in verse 28, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So turn to someone and tell them, you are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Do it. If you're listening on your own at home, and that's, say it to yourself. I'm receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's an amazing thing that, that we, we have received this kingdom because when we believed in Jesus, it says we move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son whom the Father loves. And we made that transition. And we're going to receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken in the new heavens and the new earth for all who believe and trust in the Lord Jesus. And we can look forward to that. But here in Hebrews, we're given a kind of, this is happening now in the present. You are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. In other words, the things that are true about the kingdom of God are yours for the taking, to be your possession, to be your watchword. I'm receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That means that if governments fall, (laughs) God's kingdom remains strong. If your leaders fail, whether it's in the nation, whether it's in church, even if your leaders fail, God's kingdom remains strong. If prices go up, God's kingdom remains strong. If the stock market crashes, God's kingdom remains strong and you are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. God wants you to be firm and to be secure. But he allows shakings in order to expose whether the foundations you're building your life on are either worthless or they have some substance. And I know I get it wrong and I find myself falling and failing. But nowadays, when I fall and when I fail, I'm falling and failing on the mountain of joy. (laughs) I've just kind of slid down to the bottom (laughs) and I've got to climb up that joy again. I've got to get that joy back. What so many people do, even Christians, we fall, we fail, and then we start climbing up the mountain of fear again. But you've not come to that mountain. You've come to the mountain of joy, to Mount Zion, and those who put their trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. They cannot be shaken. All this to say God allows shakings to take place. The context of it here, and I've sort of worked my way backwards, is see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. 
it comes as a kind of warning to us. And maybe you're sensing that is what's happening in the world at the moment. It's a kind of warning to you, where are my foundations if it's not quite working out right? Now, I want you to be encouraged if you're sensing that that is a warning from God. If you do, then God is treating you as sons and daughters. God is treating you as a true son, a true daughter, that he would be bothered to warn you in the first place. The worst thing that can happen to you is not that God would warn you, is that he would stop doing it. And here in Hebrews, it comes, it's headed in my Bible actually as a warning. And this warning comes in, check your foundations. Have you done a foundational check about what we're really, really building our lives upon when things don't go right in work or in the world? When things all seem a bit messed up? When that bit of news comes that just throws us, where are our foundations lying? Are they in the Lord? Are we really putting our trust fully in him because the promise is there is that we will not be shaken that's the that's the lot that's the the promise for those who put their trust in the lord and so i want to give us a chance to to do that this morning because me and you are exactly the same we get it wrong and we find ourselves trusting in something else and I'll make this work out. And sometimes we find ourselves leaving God out of big decisions in our lives. And sometimes we find ourselves skipping praying. And then start thinking. We start climbing the mountain of fear. God doesn't care. God's not interested. I'm on my own. I've just got to get on with it. But God, he comes to us in his love, his care for us, in his warnings. How about your foundations? Shakings are going on, but you don't need to fear this. You can put your trust in the Lord. So I wonder if we can stand together. That would be good. And uh, Roger, if you just put um, just a wee song that we'll know. Um, He's got the whole world in his hands. And we'll just allow God, by his Holy Spirit, just to minister to us in our individual situations. Maybe God will want to speak a very specific word to you directly or through someone. And why don't you say to the Holy Spirit, Lord, just speak to me. Maybe what I've said has resonated with you that it does feel like a time of shaking, world-changing events all around us and you really, really want to be. Want to be one of the men and women of faith that we've been reading about over the past few months. Those who, yeah, they messed up and got it wrong sometimes, but they remain strong and faithful to the end. And Lord, we want to remain strong and faithful to you.
And I just sense the Lord wants to say to someone, someone in, someone in their job, and you, you've just seen something that just has totally horrified you so much, it's kind of rocked, rocked some of those foundations. And God wants to just speak personally to you by his Holy Spirit. And he wants to tell you from his word, in this world you will have troubles, but fear not, I have overcome the world. There's others of you, you're experiencing attack from the enemy. And uh, the Bible talks about the enemy coming in like a flood. And it just feels like a flood of uh, difficulties, problems, things not working out one after the other. And you've just, you've said to God, you start to be his advisor, God, you're not, why are you not doing something about this? And God's just reminding us he is doing something about this. He's always at work. He never slumbers or sleeps. He's always working on your behalf. He's working for your good. And for others today, we just want to, in the presence of God, receive your kingdom. We are receiving a kingdom. And Lord, we learned last week that your kingdom is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we want to live in righteousness. We want to live in peace. And we want to live in joy in the Holy Ghost. And so may your kingdom come. May your will be done in our lives. We want to worship you. Worship you in reverence and awe because you really are God, a consuming fire. And we pray, Holy Spirit, come and consume us. Consume every part of us in the very best sense of that word that would drive any darkness away, drive away doubt and fear and would fill us with the knowledge of you, fill us with a fire in our bellies. Just as your disciples experienced at Pentecost, ready to go out and ready to serve you. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. And just as you, when you feel you just want to rest in God's presence, he's here. Just take a seat if you want to. And just say, Lord, I, I just want to put my trust in you. And as a sign of that, I'm just going to lean in my full weight into my seat. And I'm putting, just as a sign to you, Lord, I'm putting my full weight. I'm putting my full weight into you, Lord Jesus. 
I want to be like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but will endure.